<laughs> yeah, I'm actually uh, due a baby now next week. It's a long time ago for me to remember my first. He'll find himself drinking a lot more coffee than usual, I think, and drinking a lot um, more frequently. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Ladbrook. Passionate about sport. It's gone to the short side. Oh, it's I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field, not you. Hi Rob, Zeeb's here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. Ah! When Ring Rose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ring Rose. Ring Rose is going here. What a score! This is The Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. This is a great show today. I have James Downey and Pat McCarry in studio, Ronan Agar on the phone from Paris and Ian Keatley is in Limerick. We've also an interview with Tommy Bow coming up later as well. First, Mr Keatley, welcome to The Hard Yards. Hi Andy, how's things? Not too bad at all. You have to be happy enough with Munster's start to the season so far. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty good start. Um, obviously it just went into last season, but... Uh, We've kind of worked on a few things in in the preseason, and uh, we're trying to develop our game a bit more. But I think uh, two bonus point wins in the first two games is a, a good start. But um, I think we're we're coming up against Stern our opposition now in the next uh, two, three, four, five weeks. So uh, I think that's going to be a, a real test of where we are now this season. That's good. But you've got other things in your mind. What's going on next week? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually uh, due a baby now next week. I presume uh, James Downey showed uh, you in on that piece of information. So uh, I'll protect yeah, my source at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> You've done your research before I came online, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's exciting times now. Me and my partner Lisa are expecting. So um, that's going to be it's going to be interesting. It's going to be uh, an exciting exciting time in my life, anyway. Is that your first, yeah? Yeah, yeah, Great. yeah. Raj, how's that going to go from? Just a long time ago for me to remember my first. Um, yeah, I think obviously it's, um, it's usually a joyous occasion for everyone, but it, I think you wouldn't underestimate it either. I think as a professional sports person, you have to make massive changes. But the most important thing, as I suppose, the joy the baby brings, I think that overcompensates everything, but it will have a big impact on sleep. On um, People just think that isn't important, but as sports people you need to recover extremely well um, and that's something that you have to manage and he'll find himself drinking a lot more coffee than usual I think and drinking a lot um, more frequently because it's nearly survival mode at the start because it's such a massive upheaval in your life but um, it's a fantastic time and I think it gives you a massive perspective on the whole game I think particularly Keith he's seen massive lows and massive highs but I think when you get something like that um, in your life it gives you a huge perspective which will be will be fantastic and add another I would say um, string to his bow So how are you um, how are you preparing for it Ian? Um, yeah I think you're, we're as prepared as, as you can be but um, as Rod says until it happens it probably won't won't hit home as much Um but yeah, as I said, yeah, you have no idea beforehand. Honestly, it's, yeah. I think um, one of the best things in my life actually was was watching my wife give birth. It's 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 unbelievable. Actually, the respect you had for them. It's 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 a strange topic to be discussing on the hard yard. But <laughs> yeah. it's just, um, it's just uh, you, you know what I mean. You think you're prepared, and then all of a sudden you just go, "This is mine," you know, and. Uh, from that moment on beforehand there's no point talking about it because your thoughts are completely different then afterwards it's like oh 
if you know what I mean I can't really leave yeah. this here now and do what I want to do so you kind of your life uh, involves someone completely different and then as a rugby player I was all about the ball now it's about a baby you know so you have to get the balance right but I think if you get them right the two of them I think it can add a massive amount to your game because I think it just gives you a better perspective of what life is about yeah I don't think there's a, a set menu of, of how it's done so um, I think we're, myself and Lisa will, will figure it out well we'll have to figure it out pretty quick so it's exciting times yeah, you don't. There's no test you can do for this when you're on your own. But listen, good no, luck. No. Good luck with it. Uh, going back to things yeah. a little nearer the field, um, you signed yeah. um, an extension. So you're with Munster for another two years, yeah? Yeah, I signed on uh, at the end of last year for another two years, which is which is exciting because um, obviously at the, when I signed, I thought Razzie and Jack would be uh, would be staying on, and in fairness to the two lads, like we've. We have, as a whole squad, have have learned quite a lot of them. So, obviously, then to hear the news that <clears throat> Razzie and Jack are moving on, it was it was kind of it was a bit of a uh, it took me back for a bit because I, that's that's one of the two uh, one of the reasons, obviously, that uh, I decided to to sign on and stay and and learn and and grow as a player from them. Um, but on a personal level, even though they're gone, like I, yeah, I I've enjoyed my time at Munster and. Uh, I've grown as not only as a player but as a person through my time uh, in Munster highs and lows so um, I'm just excited with now with uh, a new arrival in my life how how the next two seasons are going to go off the field and on the field so. How's the um How's it been like that then for yourself as a you know a player? You you were going through the decision about signing on, and now obviously one of the fundamentals has changed. As to say, how's how's that going? The communication around that between the management and the players. Uh, in fairness, with uh, Razi, like he he's a he's a class act, and he's kind of he's kept us all on the loop. And even from the first day when we were back in, when we were back into preseason. Like obviously the the news was just breaking out, and um, but he didn't he didn't shy away with it, and it's not like he's he's taken a step back. If anything, himself and Jack have 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 put us in such a good position, so that when there is a transition of coaches, that we are in such a good place now, and he's given Felix and uh, Jerry a lot more responsibility. So they've started taking over different aspects that Jack and Razzie were, were in charge of and so when the transition does happen we still don't really know when that's going to happen it will be a lot smoother but um, it's not like they've, they've checked out or anything like that if anything they've, put, they, they've developed us as a squad even more so um, coming from like the disappointments of losing a semi-final and final last season We've kind of highlighted what we need to improve on, and Jacques and Razi have put in place um, with uh, Felix and Fla uh, how we uh, uh, and the places that we need to improve on. So it, it's a, it's pretty exciting uh, moving forward now. No matter no matter what happens um, in the near future, if he moves in and uh, moves away in the next week or two, or whether it's two or three months down the road. So. When you originally moved down to Munster, um, Rog at the time, I think you complimented him. I said it was a ballsy move. Uh, and now you've signed up with Tyler doing pretty well and JJ Hanrahan coming home. There's a lot of competition down there. Yeah, in fairness, uh, there is. And I knew, obviously, Tyler and JJ had signed on by the time uh, I signed on. But once again, I, I knew what were <laughs> the changes in my life that was happening, obviously, with the baby 
in a way and obviously um, I, I I had thought about moving away but then I had to think what was best for myself my family um, which is going to happen um, my, my girlfriend my partner at the, uh, what would be easiest for, for her and the new arrival because obviously if I moved away I, I'd, I'd easily be able to make friends because I'd have the rugby community I'd see them every day but she might be at home on her own with the baby so I, I, that was a big consideration uh, in, in staying or moving and also <laughs> learning from Razzie and Jack and Felix and Fla like I, I saw what a good uh, coaching ticket they were so I knew I was still developing as a player and growing and, and still even at the age of 30 still learning a lot from them and then of course like this I've been six years at once here and this will take me to eight years so I still like I, I love it here I love playing in Thomas Park even Musgrave Park is is a fantastic as well and um, like this is my home here now so I've been here six years I will be eight so um, and with the competition in fairness to Razzie he said it from the start he, he said it when he first came in he goes we need to build a squad if there's one injury or two injuries we can't be um, sitting on our laurels we need to have strength and depth so and even he, he said that to me that he said that he was bringing in JJ at the time um, but he said it's all about strength and depth he's like he's going to strengthen in, in every position so I think we have five hookers I think we have an abundance of um, centres we have three like top quality scum halves we've a back row and we're, we have a huge back row back three and I think we've just we've got picked up two or three injuries in the second row, but we're still managing to to function there at present. And, and so the, that's what it's all about, just strength and depth. Was there um, was there much contact with other clubs? Like, were there any trips to Brian O'Driscoll style trips to France? Any drop goals? Yeah, anything like that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I went over to one or two clubs uh, over in England, and um, never over to France or anything like that. Um, but as I said, I kind of said it to my agents. Um, once I, myself, and my partner had a good conversation, kind of knew um, that I still wanted to stay in Munster. So, kind of had to keep it uh, quite a little bit about on the baby front, just in case uh, you never Making know. Position, yeah. Um, what, yeah, what might happen? So, uh, we, myself, and my partner had uh, plans. We put it together. It, 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 what would happen if we did this if we did that and um, we, we we had plans anyway uh, no matter what happened and then obviously we we discussed the monster situation and uh, it, was, it was just a perfect fit for us at, at, at the time so, uh, so we're absolutely delighted that we stayed in here now so it's all about making sure that there's an awareness of interest from other teams even if it's the Miami Dolphins looking for a kicker to choose a random example <laughs> Yeah, that, uh, I might uh, I might get out the NFL ball and start practicing. But um, <laughs> now you're talking. The, um, yeah. <laughs> so James, uh, Ian's been six years down a monster. He's really picked up the accent. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can't can't take him out of Sutton at all, can you? Um, no, no. Look, Akita's has had a, a great career so far down there, and he's still got plenty left to give. And as you see, he's uh, extremely committed into into buying into what Razzie and Jack have set up down there, and that that squad atmosphere, and and that's what it is. I think even now you see some of the younger players have had a couple of weeks now and stepped up, and Irish internationals been brought back into it. Lions boys to come back, and look, it's it's looking a stronger squad and um, to the better for it. I think at the moment. 
what was it like for you when you were comparing your role as a first choice player to what one might call it understudy or someone really fighting for a place is it a very different place in your head um, personally yeah it is um, it's it's not necessarily you go through a cycle of at the start of your career you're trying to well for me it was kind of a learning curve of trying to be a sponge and take everything in and learn everything I can and then you become an established player and then uh, a younger guy's coming up behind you then when you're established and all of a sudden it's kind of you're going out the other end um, it doesn't work like that for everyone but mine seemed to go like that and um, yeah, I think it's just when you're more experienced and you have that, you're just a bit mentally more mentally stronger. I think mm. I, I felt, um, and certainly um, there's some tough times in sport, but there's also those amazing times that you have and, and that camaraderie and stuff. And and it's not always about yourself, so which is the the bigger picture of things. Rod, you hit this at the international level when Mr. Sexton came along, and then earlier with your battles with David Humphreys. Did you find that difficult? Um, yeah, of course he did, yeah. But it's it's always gonna happen. That's the reality of of sport at top level, there's always gonna be insane competition. So, um you have two choices, you you sulk or you get on with it and you try and get better, you know what I mean? I think it's important that you channel your anger in the right direction for two or three days and then um after that you make a plan how you're gonna kinda go about showing the best of yourself and as James said, it's the most important thing is what's best for the team um, because we all have to bite our lip at times and if you think differently and it's not what's in the best interest of the team, you will suffer and the team will suffer, so what's best for the team has always be the man- got to be the mantra so um, it is um, a crazy sport at times with the most I suppose um, incredible range of emotions but uh, competition is, is part of the game and I think uh, it's one thing that uh, when you become experienced it helps you because you can deal with with that I suppose internal threat with the guy trying to take your place and that's only normal and and um, I think you can just um, work in areas but I think as a young fella people make the mistake of trying to copy what his competition is good at as opposed to concentrating on his strengths and bringing that out on the pitch every Saturday as opposed to worrying about what his opposite man is doing and I can remember there was times I used to, we used to have some laughs in the clarion on the Friday nights um, because we used to meet there before the big monster games in Palman Park on the Saturday so normally at my time it was Ulster and we'd play on the Friday nights and my direct competition was Humps so everyone would gather around the TV and watch it and all the boys I can remember one time Hunt scored 37 points on a Friday night <laughs> it was like the lads had won the lotto the joy they brought all the all the lads faces going right you've your workout out tomorrow so at that, you know what I mean that's only normal that you you um you know what I mean you say to yourself what can you do you know what I mean this guy is on fire he's got 37 points tonight and then you have to go back to your room and pretend and nothing has really happened I have my game tomorrow you concentrate on getting yourself right and everything will be grand when you know in hindsight that it won't be grand he's had a cracker of a game he's going to be ahead of you so in that regard you've got to just learn from that and get better with that and that's that's um, what competition is all about but after a while then you kind of just try and concentrate and consist of, of performance and um, that's what I did and I think luckily you kind of just keep biting biting and then you get your break 
Ian, back to um, back to you. I mean, you you were a starting player for a long, long time. Last season was a, a different role for you. I mean, have you found that hard to adjust to? Um, yeah, it was a bit at the start, yeah. Um, but then, as as Roger, Roger alluded to there, like you have to just think about what's best for the team. And uh, I say it's going to be similar enough now again this season. Like there's going to be a lot of rotation for the squad. Um, I think, like, sure, um, I, I didn't play the first game, then I started the second game. Obviously, like, there's going to be rotation again this week, uh, this week as well. So I know that's that's coming, and I'm kind of more prepared for it now. And I just have to make sure, as I said, once you get your chance, that you're ready because you can't control what what the other guys do. Who who if if they're on fire, they're on fire. There's nothing you can do about it, and you just have to make sure that whenever you perform that that you're ready to take your chance so um, I'm looking forward to it it, it, it obviously is a different uh, challenge from like when you know you're going to be like starting all the big games you just you, you kind of get into a groove but now when you're chopping and changing you, you just have to make sure that you're ready and uh, you're, you're striking on all cylinders when, when you get your chance so uh, it's exciting but uh, and it's a good challenge but I think it's going to bring out the best in the whole squad what have you thought of this South African sorry go on sorry Andy one of the things that players wouldn't be aware of at all and I'm only seeing it is the fascinating side of kind of the management their capacity to make up the bench so you can only pick normally three backs right and I, something that hugely interests me is it's so difficult to get those three right because um, like you have to have a goal kicker essentially on the bench if your out half gets injured within seven minutes, you kind of would like hit an out half, a first receiver on the bench, and then you have kind of one guy that is capable of, of covering the rest of the positions because the way the game is so attritional, you nearly use all your 10 backs every week, but getting that right is um, is hugely, hugely uh, challenging for the management team. And I think... Um, the guys that can play in several positions are so valuable nowadays because um, you just don't know, as Keith said, where he's going to go on or, or, or um, when is he going to go on. But like in Munster's case, they're lucky in the fact that uh, you I mean you have a nine that can goal kick in James Hart. Um, Keith can play anywhere in the back line, and then they could have another back. So it's a massive advantage in the fact that if you can box off one of those positions with. Uh, with a goal kicker which in, in Munster's case uh, it gives him the option of having two outfield backs because Keith can play uh, 10 but he can also play 12, 13 or 15 and then it just gives you massive firepower if you have the likes of you know what I mean I'm not saying it will be but you have someone like uh, a James Hart on the bench you have um, Keith on the bench and then you could have for example if you're going with um Scandal and Tote, then you could have um, um, Farrell on the bench. Farrell, imagine that for impact. Mm. You yeah. know, I'm not saying that is, but like I think it just from like it's not necessarily uh, how you want to start the game, but I think the more I'm seeing it's how you want to finish, and it's something Jim Gavin does really well. I think with the Dublin footballers, he finishes with his strongest team. It's a different way of looking at it, and I think in rugby we can learn a little thing or two about that from the fact that um, just how important it is to get your 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 impact replacements right. You know, obviously you have to cover off injuries, 
but like the, the balance I'm getting picking um, the benches I think uh, obviously comes from having a really strong squad and having strength and competi- in depth and competition for places but that those three players have such a huge role that I wouldn't be kind of thinking oh yeah I'm starting on the bench this week because their mindset has to be completely different you know uh, you have to make a difference when you come on you can't just replace the guy you have to be better than the guy you replace and if you're thinking like that I think the squad will be in a great place I think that's the the difference yeah. as well Rog in, in how the game's evolved as well before you would have been happy like okay well maybe not happy but you're yeah, on the bench and, and now you, like when you come on you have to make like it is your impact player you have to do something you can't just go on and okay seamlessly fit in but you have to bring that energy that buzz and, and actually do and something Eddie Jones has kind of changed the mindset of people this side of the world in terms of he calls them finishers so he wants his finishers better than the guys that have started the game as opposed to traditional I suppose maybe it comes from from older generations but like if you're not on the first 15 it means that you're weaker than um than the guy that, that you know what I mean if you're not in the first 15 you're perceived to be weaker than the guy that's starting that is not the case anymore mm. but I think that perception is still there you look at for example um, you know what I mean someone like Sean Cronin why would you start Sean Cronin when he can absolutely rip up defences in the last 30 minutes if you know what I mean I was thinking about him a lot it's the fact that like, you just kind of keep him in storage stores and then just let him explode like he did last week and then off you go and score a try and all the defences are knackered and he just skates in from 50 metres but it's such a weapon to have a, a forward with that uh, input I, I tell him Sean Cronin that <laughs> I, I, I know exactly listen listen Sean I want you to ask so We'll actually get, yeah. we'll get him on this program because <laughs> I, I've had this I, the discussion has lasted 10 years but yeah, I just yeah. think like as opposed to tiring himself out and getting all his energy drained from having massive impact at scrum time for the first 40 minutes and maybe his legs being a little bit uh, less explosive than he would be but like his his role I don't think there's a better impact for him in uh in world rugby denim and there's nothing worse as well than when you're when you're out there and you've played like you started and you see the starting team you go okay fine and then after 55 60 minutes you see firepower like Sean coming on and you go oh, like and it's he's going to make that that impact against you when you're just that little bit fatigued well if you're starting against him you're both fatiguing at the same time while he's coming on fresh mad keen to make an impact and, and you've got to deal with it it's the other side of it too is that you got to give I, we'd have to give due recognition to the guys who start too that are hammering away for the first 50 because we all know the last 20 minutes of a game is when it's a lot easier because you've kind of hammered away for 60 minutes and all the good teams will last for 60 minutes it's only in the last 10 minutes you might get a bit of mental breakage from the team but I think that's why sometimes the role of the impact subs can be overemphasised mm. in the fact that he looked really good but naturally at the end of a the game there will be more space there will be more fatigue but you also have to I think with the good coaches pay, pay dues to the guys who have kind of uh, set the foundation for the first hour to let um, hopefully his team get the impact in the last 20 minutes yeah, you also see know, it um, happen with things like tackle stats because you've got a back row come on for the last ten minutes, and all he's doing is hitting people. Mm-hmm. And if you if you don't if you're not careful about that, you you sort of say, okay, well, if he was on for eighty minutes, he'd have made a hundred tackles. You know that, what I mean? That oh, that is a great point from you, Wendy. Well done. Thank because you. Because you are so right. It does. Um, that's what you have to look at him. If you look at stats on a piece of paper without the video, it's so dangerous. Mm. I was waiting for a, and a lot there. of people do that. 
No, no, I, I think we've cut that conversation there. We? No, but um, no, sorry, Ian. Before you go, I thought your point was really interesting because you're going. We'll try telling Sean Cronin that, and like, we're not there yet, are we? No. Where people say, "Okay, I'm starting from the bench. I am the finisher, and it's it's the same kind of crown as the man starting the final." We're not no. there yet. Exactly. Like, like, like. All, all you ever do want to do as a player is. You want to run out on the pitch in those big games. Like you, you never, you never dream when you're growing up. Oh, I can't wait to come on in the 60th minute. Uh, as a player growing up, I can't wait to come on in the 60th minute. And uh, can't wait, can't wait to pull on that bib and sit in the bench. Exactly. You're not. That's. You're, we're not programmed for that. So, like, I, I completely agree with Roger. I actually say Sean is one of the best impact players to come on. Like he's so dynamic, but. Sean would be would be under the losing like I can do that for the minute I get on the pitch in the, in the first half I want to be doing that I can soften them up and let someone else come on hmm. but that that's just he's been he's been kind of given that role and and, and probably Dean Ely is probably in the same position um, like he's probably more a dynamic player than Jack McGrath uh, but Jack's got the starting role now and then they want Keane and they want Sean Cronin to come on and as a player you're, you're there going oh god here's two huge ball carrying presidents coming on and you are as James saying you're, you're looking up going like oh this is going to be relentless so um, that that is the role and I know I remember Joe Schmidt Joe Schmidt used to have subs meetings the night before and talked about your role as a as a sub and what he wants from you coming on and, and he'd show it up on the big screen in front of everyone and he'd show the impact that the subs made when they come on so it is it's it's, it's starting to become a, a, a huge facet in the sport but yeah it is hard to accept as a player you are that you have that disappointment that you're subbing but then as Rod says you take that day to get over it and then it's all about the team and you focus on what your job is when you come on there we go right Ian we'll let you go thanks very much for your time this morning uh, good luck for the season and good yeah, luck right. for the uh, the yeah. proper work yeah good luck right. um, Rog I think we have to let you go too correct yeah grand <laughs> uh, we'll see you now right the boys will be back of course sorry James will be playing solo later on answering your Twitter, your Twitter questions but up next we talk to Ireland and Ulster star Tommy Bow about his form injuries becoming a father and his hopes for the season ahead the Hard Yards, brought to you by Ladbrokes, passionate about sport. Welcome back to The Hard Yards. Tommy Bow has had a rough couple of seasons with injury, but he's back again fighting fit and he's had an excellent start of the season with Ulster. Sports Joe reporter Pat McCarry caught up with him this week to discuss the season ahead for the Mayan Man. So yeah, Tommy, um, I'll start off with a positive um, to kick off the interview on a kind of nice note. Um, just your own form and, and pre-season, you must be delighted with how things are going for yourself. Yeah, enjoying it. You know, it's great to be back playing. Great to be injury free, uh, and you know, I'm enjoying my rugby. So I've four games under the belt, and looking forward to hopefully a, a good season ahead. And the the move to centre stuff that um, Les talked about there in pre season and stuff was that something initiated by yourself, or did you just have a word with the coaches? And did you kind of enjoy the kind of you know getting out there and having a run around at thirteen? It was more Les and Dwayne Peel actually who kind of came to me 
with the idea and listen it's something that I was very excited about I enjoyed my time at centre when I got to play there with the Ospreys I played a few times with Ulster you know when I kind of came back and I played at 13 for the Barbarians last season Mm. as well so it's a position I'm pretty familiar with and and to get the opportunity to go down and to play there uh, something yeah I've really enjoyed and and hopefully I'll get a few more games under my belt playing there because I think you know it's it's getting you know more and more familiar to me the more I'm playing there and um, Andrew was saying when we were talking to him recently Andrew Trimble was saying that he was down in the Irish camp and he said just about every player in Ireland was down for it did, did you get down for yeah, that? except for me yeah. I actually listened to that I was like uh, cheers Trim uh, yeah no, I think there was a big old squad called down to it again but I, you know at that stage I had barely even played any rugby since mm. you know, since injured myself in March and uh, I, I wasn't too upset about it I know that if I can get a string of games on my belt and, and get myself back up to form you know, then I would hope that I can try and try and push my way back in there. So for me, really, it's a case of just getting minutes, you know, under my belt to try and uh, you know get my form back to where I want it to be. And who knows where we could go from there? For for like a lot of Irish fans, like looking back at your time in between those two injuries, um, you had actually played a lot for Ulster. But it, maybe for a lot of fans, who just come to the, to the game in Ireland, they're playing or something like that. It would have seemed like this guy's injury prone as well. But. Um, <laughs> From from being on that pitch at the Millennium Stadium and kind of having to only last so long, how, what was the, the kind of feeling for yourself when you were going off? Was there a feeling of dread like that this could have been it for yourself? Or no, you know, it was a very odd one because <laughs> obviously I'd only been on the pitch maybe thirty or forty mm. seconds, uh, and, and you know, in that time you just want to get on, get your hands on the ball, and and you know, I think I came on at seventy eight minutes with two minutes to go, and I was being stretchered off at seventy nine yeah. minutes. And to be honest with you, it was almost a bit of embarrassment. I I just couldn't believe it that I was on this pitch again for the second time mm. in what well, was nearly just over a year yeah. being stretchered off. So, you know, I I I could hear my the bone in my fibula break. I knew that something wasn't right. Uh, it wasn't that sore, but you know, to to just have got on the pitch and to be to be kind of carted off again. You know, I think people were commenting how I was smiling. It's just it was kind of disbelief. You know, you don't know whether you you can yeah you know, I laugh or you cry. Um, and no, I don't think the idea never came into my mind that could be the end of it for me. I knew that it was a broken bone. I, I knew I've come back from a lot worse, and and knowing that it gave me a good opportunity to go back and work in the rehab and, and prehab that I had been doing for other injuries and for my body, so that when it came to pre season, I was you know fully fit and ready to go. And um, I remember driving out of Cardiff. Um, I was on my way to Bournemouth the next day, and I passed you guys on, uh, in traffic. And you guys were—it's funny on the way in, you might get the police escort, but mm-hmm. on the way out, there's no escort. Certainly no escort. Yeah. Um, how bad has it been on a coach like that? You know, like when you're heading out the next day, and it's just everybody—you just want to get home as quick as possible. I'd imagine. Listen, it's—it's it's just losing in general. You know, mm. you can either be, you know, losing at home, losing away from home. It's always. It's always it's the toughest part mm-hmm. uh, about playing a professional sport, especially or any sport. You know, you find that whenever you win, you wake up the next morning, the sun's shining, yeah. there's no traffic. You just seem to be in good form. Everything seems to be going your way. When you lose, it's the complete opposite. So yeah, I suppose you know I've been there. And we know the highs and lows of sport, and and I think that that game particularly was a, a pretty disappointing one for us. 
But again, I suppose the lads did well to kind of, uh, even though you kind of had to look on from afar, did well mm. to kind of bounce back and yeah. stuff, didn't they? And um, they were a kind of team that kind of seemed to have that kind of resolve about them. Like, you know, even if the consistency is the big thing from them, isn't it? Well, I think that as a squad and as a team, you know, that we know that we compete, can compete with anybody mm. you know, on our day. And something that Joe brought in at the start was a consistency. You know, certainly in the first couple of years when we came in, you know, we ha- we were consistently, you know, putting a string of games together. And I think that, that that Six Nations was probably one of the disappointing ones to to have lost to Scotland away from home to, mm. you know, at the start of the campaign. And the Six Nations, to me, is all about momentum. You know, you, you win your first game and you carry on that momentum from there. Losing that first game was a real disappointment, and, mm. and you kind of have to go back to the, you know to the start again, and um, and then you know to lose against Wales. So it was very stop starty. But I think that you know to finish in in the game against England, you know the way that they did, you know finish the guys certainly on a high, you know, and then going into the summer tour for the guys who went on that, and then the Lions too. So you know a lot to work on, but I think that we showed that you know we we have the team, we have the capabilities that we can beat anyone. And I suppose in, in the middle of all that, there was some kind of nice moments for yourself, like, uh, you know, you've got a daughter now here, and, and, and uh, I, I was looking back, I think it was during the Lions tour, you might have been away in Spain, and you were on barbecue duty and stuff like that, so, so even though from the playing side of things, things were going bad, like, personally, things were really going well for yourself the last few months. Yeah, yeah, I tried to keep myself busy, keep myself active, and certainly one way of doing that is having a child. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was, you know, Emma came along very quickly after that injury in in the Millennium Stadium, and and to be honest with you, it was a blessing because, mm. uh, you know, I think that was me my sixth, you know, proper injury in the space of maybe four or five years. So I was feeling a bit down the dumps after it, and and for her to come along was, you know, a, a completely turned everything upside down, and it's been, you know, really fun uh, challenging last five or six months uh, and then with that yeah I've, I've got involved in a new television programme a holiday programme mm. called Getaways with uh, BBC and, and RTE and yeah that's a completely uh, different experience for yeah. me to you know it's very easy to speak in camera and talk about what we know and that's rugby so to have to do it and learn lines and try and pronounce uh, cathedrals in Spain and <laughs> south of France is, is something very difficult but it, it, I, I like to put myself into new experiences to challenge myself in different ways I think it keeps things fresh and, and it's something that I've really enjoyed and especially when you're injured I think it's important to have you know something away from rugby to kind of take your mind off it so that when you do come in to the gym or in for your physio you're fresh and ready to go and do you get much slagging from the lads about the whole, you know, travel travel reporting kind of stuff? There was a lot of slagging at the start, but I think when a few of them saw a few of the pictures of what uh, what we were doing, actually, there's a little bit of jealousy there. But I know the show is going to come out in January or February, so I'll probably be going into hiding for a month or two. Could be an embarrassing couple of a couple of weeks. And um, you're here for the Subway Sports for Schools initiative today. Uh, just let us know what that's all about. What the whole plan is about. Yeah, Subway have signed a partnership with Sports for Schools, a two-year partnership, to try and get into primary schools and help kids get active and and get healthy. Uh, It's been in the UK for the last number of years. They're involved in over 1,300 schools over there, and I think the feedback has been brilliant. So for it to come to Ireland, I think, is really exciting. And for Subway to be involved and to really push it out to schools all over the country to try and get kids, it's not about having to you know, be involved in sports teams or do sports that they don't like. It's just you know, a few exercises, keep them fit, keep them active and, and enjoy it. So 
it's something I really enjoyed this morning in the primary school, getting to see mm. some of the young young kids there uh, and getting a sweat on. But I think they really enjoyed it come the end of it. And what did it kind of bring? Did it bring back a few school memories for yourself? Like, what were the kind of big sports that you were into when you were back in school? Yeah, it was funny going back to you know into a primary school again to hear the bell. Even was you know brought back memories. But you know, I went to a very small primary school in Monaghan, and there was only one sport available then that was Gaelic football. Uh, so you know the, to see the facilities now available to different primary schools and what you know whether it be the kids were doing ukulele class <laughs> after really? after it you know i think that nowadays there's so many different things available to to children and and you know obviously there's the likes of ipads computers social media so for them to be able to get out and get active a few small exercises to get a bit of a sweat on and and have a bit of a laugh with their mates i think it's a really positive thing I suppose from all the kind of professional years with Ulster and Ireland and even with the Lions as well, you've got some kind of great memories. But do you have good memories looking back at GAA? Is there anything that stands out if you were to kind of think back of your, your days playing GAA? Oh, yeah. I, I used to love, you know, playing Gaelic. Um, you know, I have I grew up in Monaghan. Some of my great mates still are, are guys who I would have played with, uh, you know, long, long time ago. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, I had to make the decision when I was about 17 years old, you know, the way I used to work and I played rugby predominantly in the winter time and, and Gaelic football in the summertime. It worked great. But, you know, there was going to have to come a time where you have to pick one or the other. And mm-hmm. you know, rugby was always my number one love. But I still have great memories of playing Gaelic football. I enjoy going to see Monaghan whenever I can. And, uh, you know, I keep track of the local team and, and the All-Ireland as well. So it's uh, it's it's a sport that I still have a huge amount of interest in could you ever see yourself getting tempted back into it maybe when you retire in a few years time the over 35 scene I don't think so (laughs) I was never the best shot as it was it was more of just give me the ball and let me run so um I think uh, (laughs) by the time I finish playing rugby if I'm still hanging together I don't think they'd be too interesting maybe in goals um, just looking back again just to kind of the idea of like you were saying you were kind of starting off from Gaelic and heading off to maybe taking rugby more seriously um, is there a kind of a coach or a, a student you know a fellow kind of friend or teammate that stands out as someone who's a kind of real mentor for you and inspiration to you when you're when you're growing up there's there's, there's you know there's actually a huge amount of, of coaches and um, people you know from my childhood that you know would stand out you know I, I feel I'd be doing a disservice to some people if I mentioned some and not mentioned mm. others. But I think, you know, from the Emmy Vale Gaelic football team, uh, you know, from the age of under eights right through to under 17s minors. Uh, then I went to school, obviously, in Armagh Royal to play rugby there. Haven't played in Monaghan minis before that. Mm. Uh, I think that, you know, the great thing about sport and those sort of areas is, is it's the volunteers. It's people that actually give up their own time to go out and help coach and to, to give something back. And, and you can see the, how much that they love their sport and try and help kids get out there and enjoy themselves and, and enjoy the sport as much as they can. So, you know, I have great memories of some coaches and some supporters and maybe some some not so fond memories of some of the supporters shouting at me from the sideline. But I think that those people who turn up to support and turn up to, to help coach, uh, those volunteers are, you know, they're the grassroots of, of both rugby and Gaelic football. And, and they're something that, you know, hopefully in years to come, you know, I'll be able to help out where I can. And I suppose this, this stage, like um, coming into, like as you said, like well-established as a senior player, you know what the, the score is with Ulster and stuff, but... Um, from talking even the likes of Stephen in the past about his daily routine he would do when there's a Friday night game in, in Ulster walk the dog mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. a sandwich or something like that he loved a bit of darts Stevie <laughs> did yeah. um, for yourself 
is there a kind of routine that you get into on the match day like something you've been doing for years yeah I think it's important I think pretty much most players have a, a form of a routine Mine is nothing really. I mean, unfortunately, on an away game to have to go walk the dog might be <laughs> looking a bit odd going. Uh, but no, for me, it's very much about staying relaxed. Mm. You know, I like to stay in bed as long as I can in the morning and enjoy a bit of a sleep in. I, I like to, um, you know, get a bit of fresh air, try and get a ball in my hands and, and, you know, just go over plays in my mind, go over different things that I want to try and achieve out of the game. And, I, you know, I'm fairly quiet the day of a game. Uh, I don't really like to do too much. I like to try and keep as much energy as I can for whenever I'm playing that evening. And for yourself, you're kind of saying uh, big year kind of ahead of you. I suppose number one priorities for Ulster but have you kind of set any kind of goals beyond the next couple of games next couple of months I suppose from past experience or is it just let's get into the next block of games is that is that the way you're thinking at the moment listen I have goals that you know I set myself all different ranges of goals you know ideally I'd love to be winning silverware you know mm. I want I'd love to be back playing for Ireland playing for Ulster but I think it's important to concentrate on what's next and I think for me at the minute with with the likes of the you know Luke Marshall, you know Darren Cave guys uh, in in the centre, obviously Jared Payne. You have other guys on the wing come back. The strength and depth that we have in Ulster and in Ireland is is pretty high. So mm. for me, you know, I, I want to be able to just keep enjoying it. I, I as I said earlier, I've had a great preseason under my belt. My body feels fresh. You know, I push myself really hard. I've done all the training that everybody's doing. And my body's held up to it, and and I'm still turning up a train with a smile on my face, and and looking forward to games. So, for me, I want to keep going, keep pushing myself hard, and and yeah, try and keep myself in the Ulster team, keep pushing. That you know, if I can try and find a bit of form, get myself back into the Ireland setup again, and who knows from there. So, yeah, I'm still pretty ambitious. I think you know, I still have have sights of of pushing myself against the best, um, and and hopefully I can keep on going, keep feeling injury free. There was uh, an interesting one when we were talking to Andrew when the in the podcast or a couple of weeks back when he mentioned that uh, he'd asked you, "Is this a permanent move to Turkey?" And I'd say there's a bit of selfishness in there as well involved as well. Is that? Do you reckon you've been getting that from the other wingers as well, the other Irish wingers as well? Like, Tommy, yeah, give, give 13 a go there for a while. <laughs> uh, no, well, I think maybe a bit from Trimby. Actually, I was chatting to him about that podcast after because himself and Ronan and uh, Raj was saying that, you know, when you get a bit older and uh, you start to lose a bit of speed. But I was actually telling the guys earlier, I hit my personal best speed that I've hit in four years. Oh, and Trimby, Trimby didn't even stand up for me to mention it. <laughs> so I'm putting it on record now. Uh, but uh, I think, this, listen, there's always been a competitive uh, bit of banter and rivalry between myself and Trimby and I think yeah I, I, you know I think I think getting the opportunity to play a bit at 13 was great because I know that you know Luke Luke Marshall and Jared Payne you know are, are not going to be coming back mm. for a few weeks but I know now in the next week or two they're going to be coming back in uh, and you know I'll be trying to find my position wherever I can, wherever I can on the pitch but you know, that's sort of healthy rivalry that you need and I think you know that it's people pushing each other in training and games to be the best that they can be you know that can only be a positive thing for the team and what was that speed just for the record just so if you can test with other people just over the, the 9.7 metres per second that's <laughs> no biggie was where we were recently um, talking not quite to, Usain Bolt yet but I'm catching him not too bad um, I was saying we were recently talking to Sean Cavan and he was saying they've kind of gotten away from a little bit of the GPS stuff but he was saying that there, there was once they, they tried them out with speeds and he was saying that a lot of the Tyrone players hit 
bigger speeds than a lot of the Ulster lads. It mm-hmm. must have been the same guy doing them, but he said the only guy they couldn't beat was yourself. So, oh really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. So Tell you what, there could be a future. If you learn to shoot, a new yeah. record now as well. So it's yeah. going to be even harder for them. They're going to need with a good tailwind behind them. <laughs> Perfect. Cheers for that, Tommy. Excellent. Thanks very much. Great stuff there from Tommy Bow. Next, we have fan questions and tips for the weekend's Guinness Pro 14 on the way. She wrote, is the perfect thing to watch during the day. You can watch the start, fall off for 40 minutes, come back, see the end, perfect. You know what I mean? You've missed nothing really. Remember, Rod, Kev in the Kalina used to have to bring two TVs into the room, one for you for Cheltenham. <laughs> Like every red-blooded male in the country, he'd be watching the horse racing, whereas I'd have a TV for myself for things like Murder, She Wrote and Houses Under the Hammer. Murder, She Wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day. You're listening to the Hard Yards Rugby Podcast on Sports Joe. Thanks for listening today. We have Hayley O'Connor from Ladbrokes and Alan Lachman at the table now. Um, Hello. Hi. Hey. <laughs> How's the morning going? Not great. No? No. Okay. I've had a few road rage, road rage instances already and um, just really hoping that the day improves. <laughs> Drivers of Dublin, careful. <laughs> Alan, how are you? Uh, not too bad, yeah. 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 Keeping well. Can't complain, not as stressful a morning as Haley over there. But. <laughs> so this is our um, head-to-head. Pat? Oh yeah. Well, I've I've heard. I feel like I had a better weekend last weekend. And I think so you did. You yeah. f- you, sorry, you know you had a better week last week. I, I just feel. I just felt it in my bones there. Back in a few of the kind of lower uh, sides, I won't. I won't say anything worse about them. But some of the sides you wouldn't expect to win kind of seem to come up trumps me in the end. So at least it's a bit of a closer contest because this could have been nasty. It could have been a kind of one way thing for. And we would have definitely had to get a substitute in. So it's it's good to know that the the fight is going for another week anyway. After uh, seven in week two, did you get a bit cocky, Andy? After yeah, <laughs> all the cockiness. Yeah, it wasn't your best week. No. Um, so Pat was the winner last week. He managed to get five right. Hmm. Yeah, but it's not how many you get right; it's what prof- profitability uh, you're in. So, oh, yeah. and whether you've been daring, and I don't know if we've worked that out. I, I made a lovely Excel sheet somewhere, but I'm not sure if I sent it over. But, um, <laughs> yeah, to work out who's who's the more profitable person to follow. Mm, well, last week was certainly Pat, anyway. But yeah, we'll run down through we this week's games, anyway. Um, I'm not making any promises this week now. Right. Well, uh, I've never seen Pat looking so smug. I'll just say that. <laughs> it's the cardigan, that's what it is. It's a great cardigan. The smug cardigan. <laughs> so, uh, first up is Dragons v Connacht. Dragons are at home. Um, yeah, how are, we, how are Labrooks on that? It's quite a, a close match, actually. The Dragons are 4-5 to five and, and Connacht are um, even money. Um, and I suppose it depends um, whoever, based on team news, uh, the favourites here could change. And so we think there's only one point um, in it, really. OK, so the odds are Dragons 4-5, to five, Connacht are evens. And the uh, spread is Dragons minus one. What do you fancy, lads? Uh, I am taking the Connacht side of that one, Pat. Oh, OK, yeah, that's easy enough. I'll go, I'll go Dragons and that. There you go. Good stuff. Next up, we have Ulster v Scarlet's, probably the big one of the weekend. How are we on that here? Yeah, um, another evenly um, evenly matched match. Ulster are 4-5, to five, Scarlet's are even money. Um, I suppose neither side has really beaten much, um, so 
it's hard to know the depth of them. Um, you know, Ulster um, beat the Italians and the, 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 the South African team. So, um, and then also Ulster were the only uh, Irish province not to cover the handicap last week, which I think you went against them, didn't mm-hmm. you? Yeah. yeah. Jesus, Pat, that was a terrible call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- this one, it's I like I can see Ulster. I'm going to go Ulster in this one, but then you have Pietu and Coetzee both missing as well. So and Scarlets are in great form, but um, yeah, I can see them losing. But I'm going to back Ulster. That's great because I'm all over Scarlets in this one. But it, it, it's great. This is a different week than the first two weeks. First two weeks were all very much a big heavy mm. favourites or Italian teams with the greatest respect. Um, and now we've got a couple of real belters this week. Yeah, that should be a great game on yeah. Friday night. Yeah, be good. Um, yeah, because that's actually even. It's even. I think it falls on the fifth anniversary of Nevin Spence's uh, and his, his father and his brother passing away. So it's going to be another emotional night up there. So I don't know whether that'll play much of a factor into it, but I'll go from. I'll go from to sneak sneak a win against mm-hmm. the, the champions. Good stuff. Um, the third game with the Irish provinces is Southern Kings and Leinster. The Southern Kings are obviously at home, as we discussed earlier on. So, what do you think? Well, yeah, this but the, the, I think the odds changed on this uh, last night. Just with the, I mean, who's getting fired about those visas? <laughs> you know? how, how much was the swing? Because I was wondering about that. Um, well, we were. I was trying to get these at about six o'clock last night, and they're like, "Oh, we just need to uh, find out what's happening." But then they now have have priced it up on the basis that it's very likely that um, both uh, Eisenhower and, and Gibson Park will, will start. Yeah, no, they're, no, they're gone. They're gone. They're not. They're they're going home. Oh, are they? Yeah. So I'm. All well, up. get the value then. I'm then. taking the Kings. <laughs> so uh, Leinster are ten to one on, and they, you can back them in the handicap minus fifteen. Which I mean, considering um, their handicap uh, marks previously, that has been a much greater divide. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Kings as well. It's gonna be. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Kings on this one. Damn you! I, it's just not Kings. to not to win the thing, but just not to win. Or Leinster could win, but not by fifteen 15, points 15 away points. from home with all that happening and with a young squad. They're missing like uh, Scott Fardy, owner. Yeah. Considering the, the baby conversation we had earlier on, yeah. there's two expecting fathers that that couldn't travel. Um, so yeah, they're down to the bare bones. Yeah, yeah. So um, they could still still get the job done, but. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we're both on the same page on this one. You're not getting anything for cheap here. <laughs> <laughs> and the game we talked about earlier with Ian at Munster away to Ospreys. Ospreys not had the greatest start to the season. No, poor start so far, and that's why they're five to four Munster. Um, they've looked really good. They've inflicted really heavy defeats, but that was only against uh, Cheetahs. Um, and we Munster are four to six. They're minus two in the handicap. But actually, if there's a, a team that we think are going to come under pressure, um, the four to six will probably shorten. Lads, I'm going to go Munster in this one. I am also going Munster in this one. Oh. No, you fancy the handicap minus two. Oh no, I mean the handicap. I'm yeah. taking the monster side of that, yeah. Great stuff. And then just quickly down to the rest of the games, we got Edinburgh at home to Treviso. Edinburgh um, are one to fifty, and Treviso uh, are fourteen to one. Even though they scored their their uh, two they tries. Trouble Ulster, yeah, last weekend. Mm. Um, so yeah, Edinburgh going to win. It's just a question of by how much. So we put we put the uh, handicap at minus twenty four for Edinburgh. I'm on the Treviso side of that handicap. Think? I think 24 is too much. I was thinking the same thing. Be bold, Pat. But do you bold. really feel it, Pat? Right, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm thinking. Yeah, I'll go. All right, I'll go. I'll go Edinburgh. Right. 
because I feel like I've been bullied into it but we'll see <laughs> <laughs> we'll see where that ends up right and we have cheetahs are at home to zebra yeah cheetahs are 100 to 1 on and we think that they are Whoa. going to win by 28 points or more so my, cheetahs minus 28 can be back to 10 to 11 cheetahs at home lads I'm going to go cheetahs on that one I'm going to I think they're going to blitz zebra well zebra managed to get all the players there which yes, is good. which is a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> difficulties is twenty-eight points is big. I'm, I'm same logic. I'm, I'm going to go on Zebra here. I like. I wouldn't be surprised to, I lose that, in a very big way because the cheetahs they've looked great at times, mm. and if it all clicks for them, they're going to kill somebody, and it could be Zebra. This is the one, yeah. So we're both both cheetahs in that one. Uh, no, I'm on the Zebra side. Aha, yeah, spicy. It's a spicy one. <laughs> And the last game is Cardiff v Glasgow. Cardiff got a bit of a walloping in the RDS in the second half last week. Uh, yeah, um, Glasgow are, are four to seven favourites. Uh, Cardiff are eight to five. Um, the draw is twenty five to one. None of you are, have back to draw yet, and uh, you should consider it at some point. But um, Glasgow are uh, yeah minus four. Who's who's bright? Draws should be double or nothing. I think there should be double points. Yeah, for the draw. Should be. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'll go with Glasgow for that one. Yeah, it was a funny game that. I mean, Leinster were 6-0 down with a yellow card half an hour in and they'd even scored only one try with about three quarters of the game. Mm. It, uh, then they ran away with it. But, um, yeah. Cardiff. Cardiff. Cardiff side, not to win. Just give me those four points. <laughs> I think you should nominate your, your best bet at the weekend as well. Oh, based on like I watched Moneyball last night, so I'm all into the stats and everything today. <laughs> so based on hard science, who's who's the banker for you for the weekend? Oh uh, God, Jesus, this is different. Um, uh, my banker, <laughs> my banker is cheetahs. Cheetahs to win by twenty eight points or more. Yeah, is a banker. Okay, I think everybody I think, else is looking at me. <laughs> no, I think it's Treviso. I. W- yeah, Tre- Treviso I feel, I feel to best lose about the Treviso one to, lo- to lose by, by less, less than twenty-four points. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I have my reservations about Pat's call, but yeah, we'll see. There you go, Mister Five. You think it's a Mister Five to Seven here? But look, Pat's been on an upper <laughs> curve, so uh, that is correct. By the way, it's going. He's going to get them all right this week. So yeah, we'll be wearing two cardigans next week. <laughs> um, to any listeners that's a good visual gag but we'll see um, we'll, see, we'll see how the week unfolds uh, up next we have listener questions for Mr James Denny The Hard Yards brought to you by Ladbrokes passionate about sport James is back in to answer your fan questions we put a call out yesterday and these are the best ones we got in use the hashtag ask THY on Twitter if you want to ask a question for next week uh, question one is Tyg Byrne the most talented Irish player not at a province that is from Talking Leinster he's extremely talented um, wouldn't necessarily say he's the, the most talented not at Leinster but I, look he was at Leinster beforehand and yeah. people can't forget that and just because you go away and have a, a decent year um, you've got to back it up as well and he started the season superbly well in mm. fairness to him and he seems to have his head screwed on and uh, he's knuckled down and re-signed with Osprey or the uh, Scarlet there sorry and 
look I just he's just got to if he backs it up again stays injury free yeah he's a very talented player and yes he's going to be a huge caveat for an Irish province because he's Irish qualified he's Irish of course and you've got to think along that but as for being the most talented I don't there's know some look, com- he's there's got, some competition there there's a hell of a lot of competition and second row is a position where we're quite strong so um Look, competition is going to be good. Yeah, you have done a Ryan, don't you, over in, in Rassing there? I was scribbling names down and then his came into my head. I was like, yeah. he's the best Tyburn. If he has another good season, you can see the offers piling in from Kentia from not only Leinster, but maybe Munster come looking from as well. Every province will come looking from. He would be. There's a, there's a stage where if he does have that other good year and you back it up, he's an easy player to bring home. Mm. You know, I mean, that's a very easy signing for a province. Plays well politically, plays well PR-wise. Yep. You know. Um, so look listen let's hope we see another good year yeah. and then let's hope that's a big problem where will we pick someone abroad to be in and it's also it's also the learning curve of being in a different environment being um, outside of the Irish bubble that there is and like it's a pity Rod is gone because I know that he used to think that like when you're in it it's the be all and end all when you're outside it's actually very different do you mean the provincial bubble or do you mean the yeah, Irish yeah no provincial yeah. You, like he was in Munster his whole career and like okay I moved around a lot but some lads stay in there and you think there's nothing else outside there, yeah. outside there and I went to England and all of a sudden it's like oh wow like okay there's, there's life outside of Ireland in terms of like you get caught up in whole politics of things and just the way it is and you know every single player that plays in Ireland and you know everyone and I think that to get a different education different perspective and you're not caught up in that um, process in Ireland I suppose And How many players did you know over at Northampton when you went? Oh, none like I, I guess I knew Dave Quinlan who was there at the mm. time and I got in because he was retired but I think it's I didn't know any, oh, Seamus Mallon was there uh, he just finished up and not, not really anyone like, but it was for me it was a completely different education as like, I guess my point being that you see Tyg he's going to learn and he's going to have something different as well like we've mentioned a lot of young Irish players but he's going to have something very different that he'll have learned outside and different perspective on things um, different mindset and meetings like a different outlook which is only good yeah, he's going to come back a different man. Well, hope if he does if he come back. back yes, exactly, yeah. that's yeah. that's the thing. Uh, next question. Um, I, I will say to Shane English, I am holding your question for next week, right? Um, he knows what that is. Uh, next one. With this very current news, with Leinster's visa shambles, their word just happened, what is the biggest admin mess-up you've experienced as a player? Um, let's talk with the Leinster situation first. So for anyone who, who is not aware... Leinster arrived at Johannesburg Airport um, for their mini tour of South Africa and uh, Captain Eason Atewa and Jemison Gibson Park were both um, prevented from yeah. moving onwards on their journey because they are both uh, New Zealand passport holders. That's the summary, Pat, and they're on their way home yeah. as of recording now. Yeah, yeah, they're on their way home and I think Nick McCarthy's the replacement so he's I don't think he'll even feature this weekend or he might be on the bench but um, yeah they've lost their captain they've lost Gibson Park as well and um, both lads who had super rugby experience as well so I think it was a, a wrangle more, more more so a political wrangle between New Zealand and South Africa and somehow um, somebody you know there was so many things I'd say they had to organise that this thing was just overlooked and um, it's a shame it couldn't have got sorted it's out in the airport or made, made a phone call like everybody knows who the lads are but maybe it's one rule for everybody well, so. visas are visas yeah, but, um, yeah I will say that uh, there is like this this was a big miss 
Mm. There's no getting apart from that. Um, but with trying to pull that together so quickly, the new competition, I remember talking to one of the backroom guys in the uh, one of the South African um, teams at the Pro 14 launch, and he went through the list of things that they had to think about and sort out for their players. Everything from medical insurance, make sure they were covered in Europe. Mm. You know, just a huge list of things. There was always some ball going to get dropped. But e- e- even not just with, like we're thinking Ireland again. We're thinking how Ireland have to deal with that. They have to deal with uh, uh, oh, Italian bureaucracy so. as well, which is a completely different ball game as well. You know, mm. and they'll have different laws. So it's it's a bit of a headache, like you know, and like. I've, I would say I've kind of seen it before, but um, go on, go on. mention well, it. Well, I guess the Felipe Contepone when um, I was at Leinster, and he was, I guess, they forgot to so register him. So for any younger listeners, what happened? Um, well, I guess this uh, marquee signing had come in Felipe and Contepone, the Argentinian international, and uh, came to Europe, and he'd been playing a few games, and came to Europe, and then he was announced in the team, and then all of a sudden it's like. Actually, that guy cannot partake as he is not registered. Um, yeah. It had been bypassed. And this was when he was the marquee signing for European play. Yeah. So he wasn't playing for Leinster in a Celtic League match. He was playing for Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> to keep fit. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, well, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's invariably what it, what it turned out to be. Yeah, but look. He had, he had a bit of time to concentrate his medical studies instead. He did. He was, and he, look, he was frustrated about it, but being the, the guy he is he, he got on with it and again as we spoke earlier kind of rode in behind what the team were wanted but I think this is a slightly different I think that was more of a um, more of a bigger deal I think this look okay teething problems as such yeah. it, uh, look it won't happen again hopefully so. no you can see I'd say there's another another uh, 11 non-South African teams there have got a real shot in the arm going we need to double check every single mm. thing here um, but I, moving on to another question um, this is from the black and red uh, Leinster have had logistical challenges we've referred to that but how drastically different can travel arrangements be in general between pro clubs I, th- I think it depends on demographics for starter I know um, anytime you speak to John Muldoon or anything like that and they say about like even when you saw when they're in Russia and uh, the nightmare that seems to be and even when they're flying from places with Galway airports shut now they have to get a bus to, to Dublin and uh, yeah it can be quite hard and it's quite arduous and quite painstaking and I'm sure like again Raj and Rassing I'm not sure but um, there seems to be a few private jets going around there and some boys going across and some some uh, say in England then as well there'd be a lot of um, they'd, they'd rent the planes as well so it didn't matter what time things were taken off and mm-hmm. you needed to be as smooth as possible because a travel day is a travel day and it takes out a whole um, a day of training teams nowadays will train in the morning and then they'll go to the airports and but also coming home then if you fly home that night like in Munster we used to do the double hop and you'd land in Limerick take off again and land in Cork and you'd be getting home at three in the morning and that's not great for recovery so it's Did you prefer to stay the night over where you were playing or just to come straight home? Um, younger I preferred to stay over <laughs> older I preferred to come home um, Why what, what is that James? <laughs> It was always nice to see the Italian sites and get out and about and just see different cities, you know. And I just was quite sore after games, so I'd like to take it easy. But when I got older, you just want to wake up in your own bed and don't have to 
get up at six in the morning after a game and travel home again and again it takes a whole day and it's your day off and depends again on your club and if that counts as a day off or a travel day and they might give you an extra day but um, no you don't want to be travelling can be a nightmare so obviously it's going to be interesting with this will be right um, we must ask Raj next week about Pat Lammy signing we'll do that Pat, yeah, yeah. remember that now um, ok um, so that's the end of the questions for this week uh, use the hashtag AskTHY on Twitter if you want to ask a question next week also we had a competition on Twitter this week for two tickets to Ulster's Guinness Pro 14 game with the Scarlets this weekend the winner is Paula O'Neill the Guinness Pro 14 final takes place in Aviva Stadium on May 26th and tickets are available on Ticketmaster right We'll wrap it there. Uh, thanks to Raj, to James, to Ian, to Tommy Bow, Pat and Haley O'Connor, to Alan Lachman for producing and Shane Dempsey was on sound. We'll be back next Thursday with a new podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud and every good podcast app to get it straight to your phone. This has been The Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Ladbrokes. Passionate about sport. 